Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the EFL Fantasy Podcast. Uh, my name is Angus. I will be one of your two co-hosts this evening. Um, I'm here with Dan Ashby. Dan, how are you? Yeah, not bad, Angus. Um, slightly better week than last week. I've <laughs> got a player that returns. So. Yeah, uh, Jamie can't be with us uh, today. Um, he's got other commitments this evening, so it'll just be the two of us, but we'll take you through uh, all the action from game week nine. Um, so we'll go by, we'll do a little review first and then we'll go through the games. And then obviously we've got some Twitter questions. Uh, I'll go first this week as I had the the worst week of the two of us, albeit it wasn't a terrible week. It was 83 points for a red arrow, which, you know, when you score that many points, a red arrow always feels a little bit harsh. Um, red arrow from 133rd to 173rd, so still not the end of the world. Um, had Moore's six, uh, Collins nine. I mean, Townsend, Zamora, and Norrington Davies all got four for me. And then I had Mitrovic captain, which was worth 18, Solanke nine, and Victor uh, Jokeres vice captain, which was 24. Um, obviously, the one thing that isn't said there is that I my one transfer this week was selling uh, Ben Brereton Diaz, who went on to score a hat trick. So I lost out on ten points by doing that, um, which obviously isn't ideal. But I look at it and I still think selling him for Solanke was a good move. So it's just sort of burned me this week. Um, but it could it could have gone worse. I mean, at least Solanke did score, and it's uh, it's only ten points that that's cost me. And I think I'm still well set up for having Solanke in my team. So um, that's not too bad. Um, Dan, what about your team? Uh, So I got 93 minus four. Um, My two transfers might possibly be even worse. I done Grant and uh, Brereton Diaz out for Solanke and Victor. Uh, so I don't know how many points that is, but um, I had more in goal, got six. Robinson from Fulham got seven. Townsend four, got Fancy in six. Harry Wilson ten. Uh, Robinson from West Brom um, was sub, but got his two assists. Uh, Captain Mitrovic, vice captain Salang, and Victor. Um, it's just one of those game weeks where pretty much all the top players got a a goal or an assist so I actually small red arrow down four places to 372 so it's a hard hard game yeah definitely Uh, Um, just looking uh, for the record um, the pod team we overhauled about 20 minutes before the deadline Um, but it worked scored 113 points on overhaul um, game week rank of 76 and the pod team is now beating both of us it's up to 118th overall uh, we're not taking it seriously <laughs> yeah probably um the one the one thing uh never trust jamie with the the pod team uh more was on the bench lumley started thankfully that only cost us one point we had a back three of townsend zamora mcfadzine a midfield full of double-digit returns in Harry Wilson, John Swift, Mario Vrancic and Ryan Christie. 
and the front three of Mitrovic, captain, Solanke, vice-captain, and Victor. So, obviously, that one's gone very well. Um, so, we'll go into the the games now. Um, start. We're going by the order of the quest highlights again. I'm doing the home teams. Dad's, Dan's doing the away teams. Uh, the first game we've got is Bournemouth-Luton. Uh, Bournemouth 2, Luton 1. Um, so, I mean, the big thing we wanted to check was, particularly with Philip Billing, uh, what his role was going to be, whether the the change with Pearson coming into the midfield and Billing pushing forward was specifically for Cardiff. It wasn't. Pearson stayed in the team. Billing stayed further forward. So obviously for everyone with Billing, that's encouraging that it seems he's got the number 10 spot now. Um, or he's got it back after briefly losing it. Um, I think it was unchanged again from from Bournemouth, like with that in that regard. Um, obviously, they 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 went two 0 up. The first goal was scored by Billing. Um, great assist from Ryan Christie, lifting it over for him, to, and he finished it quite well first time. Um, and the second goal was scored by Solanke, another assist for Ryan Christie. Um, a very good header back across the goal. Um, tough for the keeper to to do much. Um, I think Lerma had a chance. And then, uh, but I think Bournemouth will also come out of that game, um, as I'm sure you're going to say with Luton, f- feeling that they were quite fortunate to to hold on to the three points or to have the three points at all because there were chances before and after. Um, but so, yeah, on Bournemouth, uh, particularly if people are then thinking about them in gaffer terms, it's the same thing. There's They've got assets all through the team. Um, if you're going defence, it's probably Zamora, like particularly in terms of the price. I'd go him over the other guys that are starting and in terms of the the four in attack, you could probably go with any of them again. Anthony feels a little bit like his spot could go at any point, but if you've got him or you want him, like okay, and then you've got Christie, Billing, and Solanke. I think you, all three of those are very viable. Um, but Dan, if you want to talk to us about the the Luton side of this, yes. Cool. So uh, Luton made one change. Um, Pelly Ruddock um, going into the match. Uh, Jones has said uh, one of the players picked up an injury, and it's Pelly Ruddock. Uh, so he dropped out, and Clark uh, got his first start um, after the collision with Johnston. I think in I think in the second game week. Um, so with that, we changed to four two three one. Um, to be honest, we started the game really well. Um, our press caused a lot of teams' problems and it, it continued to work even against a solid Bournemouth side. Not quite sure how Adebayo managed to scoop over the bar from three yards out. Um, he then clucked on another, uh, he closed down the ball again and uh, on the Travers, the goalie, and uh, he got it, but he, he literally stood on the ball when it just broke the way of Travers. And then it's just that little bit of quality Bournemouth have. Um, great, great assist by Christie um, for Billings' goal, and then a great header from Solanke. And I suppose that's the difference. Bournemouth played 
what, 25 million for Solanke and Luton paid 250,000 for Adebayo. Uh, it's, it's just really weird because I keep saying it every week now. If you look on XG, better than Bournemouth, comfortably big chances, three to one. Um, in the second half, we made a sub at half time. Uh, we brought Bell on uh, for Osho and we went to back five and it was all loot in second half. Um, we finally got the goal, Berry assist. Uh, I think they did give the goal to Burke in the end. I know it was I think so. down at the known goal, but they did give it. And then Adebayo missed a free header and I think it was just all all looting in the second half, whether that was Bournemouth were were happy two new up, but they didn't create anything. So I don't know. It's just getting highly frustrated at the minute for Luton. We've got loads of injuries. We're not playing terribly, but we haven't won a game since game week three. We've picked up draws, but we need that win. Uh, ideally before international break we've got Coventry and Huddersfield both at home I'm expecting four points from that to be honest yeah yeah I mean I think you know like like you say from what I saw on the highlights I'm not really sure how particularly Adebayo came out of this this game with with nothing on the score sheet I mean like you say you put someone like Solanke those chances you know you're probably walking off with with at least three on the board but um Luton can definitely consider themselves unlucky from that game. But I think P- Scott Parker admitted as much after the game where he sort of said, you know, you're going to end up winning games in multiple different ways. Um, but encouraging signs, but, you know, like I said, probably a little bit of frustration at this point. But it's not just the Bournemouth game. Should have beat Bristol City. Mm. Um, Swansea game 3-0 up and... Swansea scored two deflected goals. Just not getting the rub of the green. Uh, yeah. Just hope that we continue playing this well and then when our players come back, eventually the luck will turn and we'll climb up the table. Yeah. yeah. Not worried too much, but you know what? It's, you need that win in this division and we're not we're not getting it. Yeah. In terms of uh, Gaffer, like, I'm sure there'll be some people on Adebayo, there'll be some people I guess on someone like Bree or or Bell, I guess. Um, in terms of, sort of the loot and assets, what would you say to people at this point? Are, are they still viable to hold or uh, would you be looking uh, at moving them on? I think Adebayo is not, he's going to get chances, Adebayo, but it's like what we discussed last week, there's some good options around the city. Yeah. Like, if you're picking Adebay or Victor Lugrez is a no-brainer at the minute. Uh, Bell, Bell's an interesting one. He's been in and out of injury the last few weeks, but um, I think he was doing quite well when he had a run of games. And I'd say he's definitely first-choice left-back, so I've currently got him in the side, but he's been on my bench. And Bree, like, as I keep saying, is our only right-back, really. Yeah. So he's playing so. Okay, so we'll move on to the next game after that, uh, which was Bristol City one, Fulham one. Um, obviously, there were there were a lot of chances in this game, um, but from the Bristol City point of view, obviously the the headline going into it was um, that all three of Naki Wells, Andy Vyman, and Chris Martin started. 
Um, I think I saw that Vyman played in a bit more of a wide role um, in this game, um, but I think it was sort of three attackers. But particularly when there were questions about Wells had done had done well so far and how were they going to get him into the team, was was someone like Vyman really going to drop out? And so it was a little bit of a surprise, particularly against Fulham, to then see all three of them in the team. Um, they they obviously went behind. Um, they did create some chances, like I say, um, and then ultimately did get their goal um, when Chris Martin's shot was saved by by Gazaniga, and Casey Palmer was able to tuck in the rebound. Um, it looked like he might have been offside. It was a bit it looked tight, but um, but it counted. Um, and I think while they still haven't got that elusive home win, I think they haven't won at home in something like eight months, um, I think they'll probably still feel positive about coming away from playing at home against Fulham with a point. It's another point on the board. Um, I think they're still in the top half at this point. Bristol City, they're eighth in the table. Um, so I think, you know... All in all, an, another sort of satisfactory outcome for them, I think. Um, but probably the, the side of it that more people want to hear about uh, is the Fulham side. So, Dan, if you want to talk to us about Fulham. Yeah, so the main news again was still no Carvalho. Um, I'm guessing owners are getting a bit frustrated because we thought it, it was only a knock and it seems to have been um, dragging on for quite yeah. a while. Um, the main news, obviously, Wilson assists, Mitrovic goal. Uh, they just keep on returning those two. Uh, Mitrovic then hit the bar on numerous occasions. and Yeah, it's just a bit weird with Fulham. They should be hammering teams and they're just not for one, one yeah. way or another. Um, and even defensively, they've been pretty good. Although in this game, Bristol City did create a lot of big chances. Yeah, I'm not getting rid of Fulham, but I don't know. You just want them to do a bit more, but yeah, against Wilson and Mitro, if you've got them, they're gonna keep returning all season. I don't think there's anything to worry about, really, because no. you know, if you sell them, we've seen numerous times they can even score three or four against anyone. So, yeah, yeah, and I mean, you know. Swansea have, Swansea have been better, but you, but you wouldn't necessarily be concerned about Fulham playing Swansea, um, and then so obviously an informed Coventry, QPR, Cardiff. Um, it, it's not the worst run for them, and you'd expect them to keep ticking over. I think, which is the big thing, really. Um, I will try and find another update on Carvalho. I think. It sounds like Marco Silva is just as frustrated as we are. Um, his, his expectation was that Carvalho was going to be back, I think, last week. And it's sort of, it's dragged on a bit longer than even he was expecting. Um, I wonder if this has got to do with his contract, because he's out of contract in the summer. It's possible, but it sounds like they are just having trouble getting him back out. But yeah. um It'd be interesting to to know whether the contract has any impact on it at all. 
Um, it's possible. Um, we'll we'll see. Given that Silver was talking about the possibility of him be, being back this coming week, I think if he he seemed more optimistic than he was even before that he that Carvalho would be back sometime this coming week. So if he's still not back, then I'm I'm certainly happy to jump on the conspiracy theory train at that point <laughs> if he's still not back. Um, We'll move on to the next game. Uh, I think we have a, something that we can look full into later, so I'm sure we'll end up talking about them, uh, which was Stoke against Hull. So obviously um, another win for Stoke. 2-0 uh, win. Uh, the, the big story, I guess, uh, in this was that Nick Powell was actually playing up front. Um, so owners, it was a nice boost for owners there. Him and Jacob Brown in the front two. Um, it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward with that because obviously they've they've left out basically all the strikers to play Nick Powell up front, which you would imagine is probably not sustainable. But um, I think Seema was unavailable, uh, Fletcher's unavailable, Surridge came off the bench. So we'll see what happens, but it may well be that Powell plays up front with one of them or, or he might drop back into the midfield. But um, in terms of the game itself, uh, Vrancic opened the scoring. Sawyer's found him quite well with a pass out to the left. Um, he somehow managed to stay on his feet, a mixture of sort of talent and luck in terms of the, the maintaining his balance there with the ball. Uh, but then a very good finish uh, gave the keeper no chance to open the scoring. And then um, for the second goal, it was... Uh, Nick Powell free kick, very good free kick. Uh, again, keeper couldn't keep it out. So, uh, you know, and 2 0 win for them. They move on, they get the job done. Um, and, you know, in terms of what we're saying with Gaffer, it's, it's those two, really, I guess. I mean, Nick Powell's the main one. Um, Tommy Smith is back as of this midweek. And then Vrancic, if you wanted someone as well. Um, but yeah, so this good day all in all for them, I think. Um, Dan, what about Hull? Well, they, they made a few changes again. I just think McCann just doesn't know his best side at the minute. He's trying a few things, but they're really struggling to score, uh, offering very little. I think in pre-season, we were worried if if he's out of his depth at this level and he's just... He's just not changing it. He's not like trying five at the back or three at the back or anything like that. He just keeps playing four, two, three, one, and it's, it's obviously just not working. Um, just stay away from the hole and just target. Um, at the minute, I'll be amazed if they don't get relegated. Yeah, unfortunately for all the people looking to target Hull this midweek um, we'll get to the team they're playing in a bit but they're playing Blackpool this week so that's not necessarily the best one for a target but um, in coming games you may well have players from Middlesbrough Huddersfield, Middlesbrough and Huddersfield which are the next two um, and those players might become more attractive assets with Hull on their fixture list um, but the next game moving swiftly on from Hull the next game was Sheffield United won Derby nil. Um, in terms of the sort of 
team selection. Um, Norrington Davies kept his place, uh, although he was replaced after about 70 minutes by Ender Stevens. So we may well be seeing the end of Norrington Davies' run in the team. Um, NDI did start um, as the middle of the the three behind the striker uh, with Gibbs White and Ben Osborne. The other two, Billy Sharp, continued up top. Um, it was a bit of a frustrating day for them, for most of it. Sheffield United um, had a number of a number of shots, a number of efforts, but uh, just could just couldn't get a goal. Um, they were then helped a bit when Billy Sharp went through and Keller Roos brought him down and got sent off. Um, I think it was touch and go whether the defender was getting back there, but it was very rash from Roos and um, not what Derby needed at this point in time. Um, they had a couple of chances that made it into the highlights after that. Ben Osborne had a decent one. Um Eventually, I think it was the 89th minute, they got a penalty. Um, can't have any disagreements with the decision. What Curtis Davis's hand is doing up there, only he can explain to people. Um, I think he was trying to use his arm for leverage to go up for the header, and his arm just got kind of stuck. I think it got pinned against a Sheffield United player, but clear penalty, and Billy Sharp uh, put it away. And uh, he let the Derby fans know exactly what he thought of them. Um, apparently, they had been giving him a lot of stick. And he took that opportunity and after the game to give it all right back. Um, so they they pick up another win. Um, the, the recovery seems to be from the early season. Demise seems to be in full effect. They've, they're up into the top half now. Um, and I would, I would probably expect to see them continue to sort of progress upwards at this point um but dan if you want to talk to us about derby yeah so derby pretty much the same team as as they've been playing the last few weeks uh jaggy elka hit the bar in the first half uh, as you said ruse got a red card um, davis with his silly handball and uh lawrence did hit the post yes again it's just Derby that they make it as difficult as they can for as long as possible. Um, they don't really get hammered. So you, I, you're at the point where I don't even think you can target, as we've said a few weeks, um, unless you've maybe got a defender. If you've got a mm. defender playing against yeah. Derby, like playing in 100%. But yeah, look, we know the trouble with Derby. It's just really struggling. Keep ticking up, picking up the points. Obviously, they got the twelve-point deduction, so they are now on minus two. Um, we'll see if they get the additional nine points throughout the season. But yeah, it's as it is since the first game week. It's stay away, uh, play play your defenders if you're playing against Derby, but maybe not captain against them. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I think attacking players are still viable against them, but I wouldn't be targeting them in in the same brackets as some as some of these other teams for captaincy. I agree there. I think that's that's probably a fair as, assessment of them. Um, in terms of the next game, um, it's Reading against Middlesbrough. Uh, Reading obviously got a one nil win here. 
Um, it seemed like there there weren't a great deal of chances in the first half, uh, but then there was quite a bit of action in the second half. Um, there was a chance where Swift was uh, denied after he was found in a lot of space by Halilovic. Um, smart save there. Uh, Delhi Bashiru was played through, um, but he was also denied. And then Swift um, found Halilovic with a ball across. Um, I think he managed to kick it into his standing foot and complete and the ball and completely wrong foot the keeper and it sort of trickled in. Um, so obviously that was great for for Swift owners in Gaffer. Um, I think they'll feel a little bit hard done by to concede that one there. Um, Southwood made a couple of good saves. Um, and then there was there was obviously the the controversial um, red card. Um, Neil Warnock saying that he wasn't going to criticise the referee and then criticise the referee. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think Reading, you know, it's another win on the board. I think the big thing as well is, albeit it was very scruffy here, um, Halilovic in addition to Delhi Bashiru, have started making more contributions. I mean, Halilovic, we know his ability. We've seen it before. Even when he was at Birmingham, the problem was always that he couldn't stay on the pitch. He couldn't stay fit, um, which will be a concern. But, I mean, you know, he's been on the books of the likes of Barcelona and AC Milan before. There's They clearly saw some talent in there. And, you know, you do see these flashes from him of why, why those teams were so interested in him. Um, I wouldn't go to him in Gaffer at this point, him or Ajaria or Delhi Bashiru, but I think having more around Swift might help him, even though he's playing deeper. Um, so that's that's worth bearing in mind. Uh, but Dan, if you want to talk to us about Middlesbrough in this one. Yeah, I was quite uh, interested in this game um, for both teams. Uh... I wanted to see this Middlesbrough side, especially with Payro and Spora, and to see how they were setting in, trying to gel. Uh, McNair and B- Bowler were back. As I said, Pereira played in the 10 behind Spora. Um, they started quite brightly. They had a goal disallowed, rightly so. Um, was it? I can't remember the guy's name. Is it Jones, the youngster? Yeah, Isaiah Jones, yeah. yeah. Yeah, he got he done um, the red and right back and put in a good cross and Crooks was there and he scored but the ball had gone out of play uh, so the line and the ref got it right. Um, but I thought I thought Middlesbrough were really bad defensively. The amount of times, as you said, Angus, that uh, Reading just a couple of one twos and they were just gaping holes in the centre of defence for Middlesbrough, something you don't expect with this Middlesbrough side. Um, I've been critical of Lumley, but I thought he'd done a, a couple of really great saves in this match to keep the scoreline down. Um, I personally don't think it was a red card for Crooks. Um, didn't look like he went in with the studs. Got to go for that ball. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's harsh. I'm guessing they're going to appeal it. Whether they win it, you never know. Um, but there's just a couple of decisions Warnock done. Like, 
why are they not bringing on Ipiatsu? He's on the bench. Like, they need a goal. You've spent money on him. He's scored a couple of goals already this season. You're not bringing him on. And we, we mentioned it last week about is Warnock under pressure? And I think he is. Yeah. This isn't a long term project for Middlesbrough. He was basically brought in to save them a couple of seasons ago. He did that. And he, he's 70 odd. He's like, it, it's no long term project here. And I don't know. I think I wouldn't be surprised if he gets sacked or resigns um, in the next couple of months, to be honest. But yeah, I was a bit disappointed with Middlesbrough overall. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think I agree. I think that the Crooks red was harsh. I can sort of see in the moment why the ref is sort of what the ref thinks he's seen, but particularly given that he probably thinks he's seen Crooks with the studs up, but the studs weren't really up by the time like he, he got to he made contact with the keeper. So I think he's he's a bit harshly done to there. Um you know it's the sort of thing you have to go in for, particularly at that stage of the game. Um I also thought it was quite funny. I thought like you said the other thing that I did sort of note was was Lumley was key. It could have been much worse without him. And then he nearly kept it off by scoring, of course, which would have been, which which would have been like the perfect thing. But I think you know, he, he it, it's worrying that he had to have those good moments. So I think he's fine to have, particularly because he's shown that he can sort of make those saves. But like you're saying, with the with some of the lack of clarity, lack of logic, really. With, in, in a lot of the other spots, I wouldn't necessarily be going with anyone else from Middlesbrough at this point. That it's it's not it's not right there. Um, but the next game we've got to talk about is Swansea against Huddersfield. Uh, Swansea with a one nil win here. Um, Hero, the man again with the goal. He's um, played in well by Patterson. And he finished it well to to give them the lead. Uh, Patterson had a had a chance to make it two nil, um, but couldn't take it. Pirro was then denied well by the Huddersfield keeper. And I mean, you could talk about it as well from the Huddersfield side, but I think Swansea will also take take heart from the fact that they managed to deny um, Huddersfield having a single shot on target in the game. Um, it seems like you know maybe things are are starting to click a bit more for that for Swansea as as we sort of move forward. And the problem, as Jamie has said numerous times, with them in gaffer terms is their price. But yeah. I think whereas before you know I was looking at having player like looking positively at having players against them, that's not necessarily as much the case at this point. Um, but yeah, um, so what about Huddersfield in this one? To be honest, not a lot, Angus. Uh, the main news was Turton started at right wing back, which pushed Thomas further forward. But there was no, they didn't start Coroma, so I don't know mm. if he's carried or not. But he did come on in the second half. Um, I noted that Huddersfield were very sloppy. They gave away the ball a lot um, in defensive areas. 
And as you said, they were non-existent going forward. No shot on target. It's quite interesting because obviously Luton played Swansea last week and all you had to do was watch the blueprint of the first half that Luton done against Swansea. You have to press them. Yeah. And Huddersfield, I don't think they they done that. Um, uh, Pereiro's got another goal and when he came on in the second half against Lewin, he, he looks good. He's a good striker. Yeah. Um, I think, is he about seven million, isn't he? He's, he's around that, yeah. Yeah, that, that's a decent price. The problem is, uh, is he going to score? We've well, got a lot of strikers scoring two, two goals a game. Or, mm. Yeah, I, I think he could be an option. And as I said a few weeks ago, I, I think Swansea will improve as they get more used to the system Martin wants to yeah. play. Um, I think uh, Nitchum started as well. Who, yeah. He was very good for Luton when he had, against Luton when he came on. So, yeah, I think Swansea are doing, will probably uh, progress up the table. And Huddersfield, I, I think, will probably slide a bit uh, into that on the 10th, the 16th. Probably, I think. Um, so yeah, I'm staying away for Huddersfield at the minute. So I have been all season. Yeah, I mean, I think with with Swansea, I was just looking out of curiosity at their fixtures. They play Fulham next, obviously, which you're not buying any Swansea players when they're playing Fulham. Uh, but they play Derby, Cardiff, West Brom, and then Birmingham, Peterborough, Coventry, Bournemouth. So there's some good fixtures in there, but it's a it's a very mixed bag. Um, yeah. What I would possibly look at for people uh, to get a full idea is it's a bit further down the line, but once it gets to around game week 18, they're playing the likes of Blackpool, Barnsley, Reading and Middlesbrough, where you know once you've got a full idea of how this Swansea team is going to look under Martin, that's where it could be tough. You could... Be t- it, uh, it could be time to sort of bring some of those players in, uh, particularly having a better idea of who the ones are to bring in. Um, but, you know, at the moment, particularly with that sort of mixed bag, unless you're bringing them in for one or two games specifically, you're not really going to be going to them at the moment. Um, well, so I think, we- sorry, I, I, yeah. I think the problem is um, with the price, you can't even really yeah. bench. Bencham are like the bad fixtures, and there's not like a cheap defender either, really. No. So, yeah, I, I think they're sort sort of being punished from how well they done last year. Yeah. Um, but yeah, definitely worth keeping an eye on. I think. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we'll move on to the next game here, which was um, Birmingham against Preston. Uh, it finished nil nil. Um, I mean, there, there were a few chances in this game. I mean, Deeney had a chance uh, with a header. He put it wide. Um, Chong had a chance, but it was well saved. Collan then forced a save out of Everson. Um, but, you know, they it's, it's another draw. Um, it's another point on the board for Birmingham. I mean, they've slid back into sort of more of mid-table position now. I still think, you know, there's decent options there, but I think like 
Yeah, I'm I'm personally still happy on someone like Collan. Um, I think you know he he got a nine pointer at the weekend. He was in the bonus. He he gets forward. I mean, we saw the chance he had. Like, he gets forward. They're still going to keep their fair share of clean sheets, so the defenders are are a decent option to have. Um, I know people have been sort of back and forth on what to do with Bella. I think he's a tough one. Um, I think if like me, you've been on Chong, that's time to sell. If you haven't sold already, it's probably time to sell already. I had other things to deal with in the meantime, but he will be going for me. Um, in fact, I've already made my moves. He has gone. Um, and I think if I had Chong, I would sell. Um, Bella, I don't know. <laughs> I genuinely don't know on Bella. Um, he has these moments that make you think, oh, yeah, like he's still viable to keep. So it's tough. Um, you know, Dini. He's sort of still feeling his way in, I think. I think it's it's tough to know. I think um, it was Deeney and Hogan again, which, like you know, you'd think maybe that's the first choice front two now. But until the you sort of see them properly linking up and scoring some goals, I wouldn't necessarily go with them. Uh, I don't know how much you have to say on Preston, Dan. <laughs> I seem to get Preston every week, and my notes for Preston are always pretty much non-existent. Um, Preston's the same lineup. Um, Earl had a good chance, and I'm, I said uh, Everson made a couple of good saves. Um, I, I don't have much about Preston. I feel so bad, but I just don't have anything to say about um, for Birmingham. I think their form's dropped off since they've started trying to fit Dini in the side. Mm. And they just need to go back to Djokovic and Hogan for a while. They were doing really well uh, with them before they started trying to get Dini in the side. Yeah. I don't know what you think, Angus. Yeah, I mean, I think that that could well be it. I mean, they've had, they've had a couple of issues conceding goals, although I think that some of that is, you know, they played Fulham and they got they got sort of well beat there. And, you know, they had the, I think they had the freak result against um, Peterborough as well, where um, they conceded a number there. But, you know, that was still two games where I think they, they only scored one goal combined. So, you know, it may well be that the Jukovic and Hogan partnership was working, um, and it would seem to be working for the other players around them better. So it might well be a case of um, if, you know, if it's not going to work the same, then be proactive. You've still got someone like Dini to come off the bench that can still be productive for you, but work out what's actually going to work best for the team, which might well be moving him to the bench for a little while. Um, the one thing I would say on Preston, of course, it, they did say is they're unbeaten in their last six games. Yeah, and that's the come back in the side. Yeah. And so I think, you know, again, they're another one that it's probably, you know, tough now to target them. Um, Again, I think it's similar to what you were saying with Derby. I think if you've got defenders against Preston, you're you're in a pretty good position. Um, But I'd be a little bit more wary if you have attackers against them. Um, but we'll move on now to Blackburn Cardiff. Um, I was very surprised by the result in this game. Uh, Blackburn five, Cardiff one. Um, it was all the main players really getting in on the act for Blackburn. I mean, 
Gallagher opened the scoring. He got in behind weirdly easily. <laughs> um, I think it was Buckley's ball over the top. Uh, finished that well. Uh, Ayala hit the bar. Um, Dolan then good work on the right. Brilliantly weighted ball across uh, to find Brereton Diaz and a good finish from him uh, to make it two. Uh, the third, there was an element of fortune about it. There was a, a scuff, a miskick, a sort of slip, managed to slip under the goalkeeper. It's then the defender tries to clear it off the line and it hits Brereton Diaz. It goes in, um, which is also not the sort another one of these that you don't, it's the sort of goal you don't normally see Cardiff concede. They're normally sort of better than that at the back. So, that would be an element of concern, but it was a second goal on the board for Brereton Diaz. Um, Dolan then scored from uh, Gallagher's knockdown to make it four. Um, it did concede one, and then Phillips with a ridiculous challenge on Kadra um, to concede the penalty, uh, which Brereton Diaz put away for his first career hat trick. Um, so, you know, he obviously takes the headlines, but I think it, you know, Gallagher coming back in was big for them. I think they do look at their best when they've got the front three of um, Brereton Diaz, Gallagher and Dolan, particularly the way it frees up Brereton Diaz to go back to playing from the left. Um, he looks much more comfortable playing there than as the central striker and gives the team more when he's playing from there. So I think, you know, that that really helped them. Um He's still the main man. I've been advocating to a few people. Pickering, I still think that's a that's a decent pick. Um, but I think Dolan and Gallagher, like Gallagher, I wouldn't because he's a striker, and you might as well go with Brereton Diaz at that point. Dolan, I think, could be an interesting pick for people if they're wanting to look at um, someone else from Blackburn. Um, but obviously, the main headlines in this do go to Brereton Diaz uh, with his hat trick. Um, so obviously it was a day to forget for Cardiff, Dan, but uh, what have you got on them? Yeah, so uh, main news is probably Giles was back in the squad. He was on the bench. Um, he did come on and get an assist. Uh, the goal was by Morrison, but by that time they were already way down. Yeah. Um, it was war line. Flint got booked. Um, just... Their defence were all over the place. I, I've never seen Cardiff as bad as that defence. No. Um, and this was no fluke. Blackburn created six big chances to Cardiff's none. That, that's unprecedented yeah. Cardiff. Um, and the problem is the fans, it's all right playing that style when you're winning games. But if you're playing that style that Cardiff are playing, Mick McCarthy's going to come under a lot of pressure. Um, I think it's time to get rid of Cardiff defence. I've got Flynn. He's definitely an option for the chopping block. Um, yeah, it's not much more about that. Uh, yeah. I've got Giles as well. I think he's so cheap. Yeah. It seems like because he takes set pieces, he's going to get assists and that. So I'm happy with him to keep him on the bench playing whenever I want but yeah I've got Flynn and I think definitely thinking about selling him 
Yeah, I think it's worth bearing in mind as well for those who are on Cardiff that their next four are West Brom, Reading, Swansea and Fulham. So it's not great, particularly from a defensive point of view. Um, Blackburn, on the flip side of people looking at them, play Huddersfield, Blackpool, Coventry and QPR in the next four. So um, certainly assets to look at there. Um but we'll we'll move on to the next game we've got, which uh, was on Friday night, uh, Coventry against Peterborough. So obviously I've got Coventry in this one. Um, yeah, it's 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 that man Victor again. Um, you know, I mean, more and more people seem to have him. Um, quite a number of people, quite correctly this week, either had the captaincy or the vice captaincy on him. Um, which is probably partially about his form, partially about so it being Peterborough. Um, but he was denied initially by uh, Clark Harris block on the line. Um, and then for the opener, Waghorn's effort was blocked by a defender. It actually beat the keeper, but defender managed to keep it out. Uh, but Hamer scored the rebound. Um, a really good build-up for the second goal, um, which was eventually sort of tapped into an empty goal by uh, Jokerej after a, a really good ball in from Todd Kane. And then there was an awful reverse pass that set Coventry on the attack again. Um, and Waghorn found Jokerej, who seemed to turn back and forth about six times, uh, eventually got his shot away and it took a, a big deflection up and over at the keeper to make it 3-0. Um, that was three goals in seven minutes. Uh, that just blitzed Peterborough in this game. It had been sort of hanging in there prior to that. Um, but, you know, that that sort of seven minutes just killed them. Um, you know, Coventry, I think, for for until Carl and Grant's second goal, were going top of the table. Um, but they're sitting third now. Um, and I, I still don't think that they're, like, going to finish third. But, you know... They're, they're looking increasingly like a playoff spot isn't out of the question for them. It's still, I think it's still going to be a, a struggle for them. But, you know, they have to, as we've said the last couple of pods, they have to be taken seriously now. And in gaffer terms, you know, regardless of the value, their players have to be taken seriously now. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously, Victor's the star of the show. I had more in goal. I had McFadzine's clean sheet on the bench. You know, people have been looking at the likes of, I know I've seen Matson, I know I've seen O'Hare, who, you know, did wasn't involved in the returns, but I still think he's a decent asset. I think, you know, yeah, Coventry, a good place to go, particularly because of their value and playing well. So, um, so that's them. Uh, what about Peterborough in this one, Dan? Yeah, so the main news was Clark Harris did star. Yes. Um, they're appealing his ban for uh, tweets he done about a million years ago. Um, they just they're just terrible away from home. They? Yeah. They just when they concede a goal, they just capitulate and you, you can't do that in the championship. There's just no backbone. Um, yeah. We said it target them when they're playing away from home. So anyone who did captain or vice captain them well done. Um I thought I'd done enough just by bringing him into the side, but I don't think it is because a lot of people did vice. You vice captain, didn't you? Uh, yes, he was my vice captain. Yeah. 
Yeah, so it's target Peterborough, stay away from their athletes. I I am interested in Coventry and Luton playing on Wednesday. I'm, I'm really interested to see yeah. how how good they really are. And I was I was looking at who they have played and I don't think they played anyone of note. But that being said, they've still picked up the points against against teams who you think they can beat. Um, and that Luton Coventry, I'll, I'll be amazed if that's goalless. Luton are going to attack. Um, and to be honest, it could be anything. Uh, I think our Luton style will suit playing against them, though. So I'll be interested to see um, just them in live. See yeah. how good they are. Yeah, um, definitely. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that game. Uh, yeah, but Peterborough just stay away. <laughs> yeah, and thankfully for Peterborough, they've got the nice, easy task of Bournemouth next game. So they are at home, though. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but we'll move on now to the game that I know everyone was really anticipating this weekend: uh, Blackpool Barnsley. Um, yeah, I mean, fair play to Blackpool. We've got another win on the board. Um, so, you know, can't can't really criticise that. Um, big news for them, I guess, team-wise, was uh, Dimitri Mitchell was back on the bench. Uh, he did get on late on in this game, but, um, you know, the guy so many people were looking at in pre-season uh, prior to his injury, he is now back. Um, be interesting to see how many minutes he gets sort of over the next couple of weeks and you know how much output there actually is there but you know that's back-to-back wins now I think it is or to, I think it's back-to-back wins um, Lavery with the goal he's made a, a really good transition coming over from Ireland um, the assist from Keshi Anderson was something else Um but you know, and then you know that they have they have a keeper who's who's capable at the back in Maxwell. Uh, made one or two decent saves. Um, oh yeah, I have the stat here: back-to-back championship wins for Blackpool for the first time since 2013. Obviously, there's a, a small gap in the middle there where they weren't there, but you know, it, it's still nice to sort of start building those stats up again, um, where you can say you know the back, last back-to-back wins were you know, just now rather than sort of eight years ago. Um, but yeah, moving in the right direction, still not really looking at them, particularly when it's, you know, it's the likes of Lavery, where you're not going to use a striker spot on a on a Blackpool player. Um, I think, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure you're going to talk, well, I know you're going to talk about Barnsley here, but it may also be a product of the, the opposition um, in terms of their, their sort of result in this game. So uh, there's there's not much more really to say on Blackpool. So, uh, Dan, what do you have for us on Barnsley? Yeah, so Barnsley, uh, Britain returned to right wing back after his spell in centre mid. Uh, Styles and Benson were centre mid. Uh, Adebayo forced a good save. Uh, Woodrow missed the big chance and Helic had a header wide. Um, actually thought Barnsley, this is what Barnsley's better performance in the last few weeks. Um, when when you consider like creating chances, but 
didn't score against Blackpool. And this is a big game for both sides. And yeah, as I've said a few times, I'm I'm worried about Barnsley. Um, yeah, I think, as I've said a few times, you can definitely target them, I think. Um, and I'm staying away from their assets. Yeah. Um, yeah, move swiftly on from Barnsley. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Nottingham Forest 1, Millwall 1. Um, so obviously this was this was Steve Cooper's first game in charge. Um, became clear that the selection from the previous game was sort of Cooper's selection, given that it, you know it's basically the same team in there. Um, particularly the system staying the same was the big thing with the three at the back, um, with Spence and Lowe as the wing backs, uh, Johnson and Lolly in support of Graben uh, in the attack, with uh, Yates and Garner in midfield. Um, Graben was sort of denied early. Um, unfortunately for him, he then had to go off after 27 minutes. Um, they did sort of go behind. Um, and then <laughs> their goal, um, Max Lowe uh, scoring across, um, managed to overhit it perfectly in off the far post, um, completely caught the keeper out. Um, looked suitably sheepish after scoring here. Um, but, I mean, I think there's there's signs of improvement over these two games from Forest. But I think you'd want to see a bit more before, particularly from gaffer purposes, going anywhere near them. Um, but in their next four, they do play Barnsley, Blackpool and Bristol City. So uh, if anyone's brave enough to to punt on one of them, you might be rewarded at this point. But it's tough. <laughs> uh, but Dan, I don't know how much you have to say about Millwall in this. Yeah, so the big news for Millwall was there was no Jed Wallace. Yes. Um, there's de- he's probably the biggest talisman in the league. Um, and he wasn't there, but they still picked up a point. Ojo was back in the starting 11. Afobe was on the bench. Um, Smith scored, Ojo assists, Smith also hit the bar. I thought Forrest were a bit lucky here. Um, but Mill were another one of these teams where I think the fans are starting to lose their patience with Rowett. It's quite boring and I think fans just want to be entertained after coming yeah. out a lot. I think when you look at teams like Warnock, uh, Middlesbrough with Warnock, um, Cardiff with McCarthy and Rowett, who's at Millwall, I think, I think wouldn't be surprised by, I don't know, maybe a month or two that a couple of them have been sacked. Um, but yeah, we all know Millwall, we've said it numerous times, it's Wallace or Malone. Um, do we know why Wallace was out, Angus? Was it injury or...? Uh, illness. Illness. Okay, so he could be back. Yeah. Um, um, I'll keep an eye out for that, but um, yeah. I know it was illness that he was out with. Yeah, so, yeah, Mil- we know Millwall. Um, I don't have too much more to say. I, I, I will go on to Forrest. Um, 
I think it. I think Low could be an option. I know he scored a fluky goal, but as we said last week about the wing backs, um, he's definitely someone at five million. It could be an option if you're brave enough to punt. It's not the terrible, most terrible one. Yeah, I mean, I have to admit that I did briefly look at Jed Spence. Um, he's obviously on the other side, but. Um, I think that's probably where I would go if I was to to punt on a on a Forest player at this point would be one of the wing backs. Yeah, uh, Millwall obviously the other big thing for them was in this game they got a number of players back who had been out. Yeah. Um, probably the most important of which was Sean Hutchinson at the back, um, yeah. but Ojo as well and. So that should hopefully help them, but obviously the big thing for them will be once Jed Wallace comes back. Um, hopefully for them, he doesn't miss many more games, but uh, keep an eye out for any news on on his illness. Obviously with the, the games this week being thick and fast, it's tough to tell whether he, like how many he might miss. Um, but we'll move on to the last game, which was... The other one on the Friday night, which was West Brom against QPR. So obviously I've got West Brom here. The One of the biggest talking points with West Brom is always the lineup. Um, so in this case, Carl and Grant came back in, but still no um, Callum Robinson. Now obviously Callum Robinson came on, got two assists. I still think he should only have had one. I think the uh, the assist for um, the first goal is very generous because I think it's an own goal. Uh, <laughs> uh, Dienga saved it and then basically pushed it into his own goal. So um, I personally don't believe that that should have counted, but... Um, He's, he's come on, but obviously it's very frustrating uh, for owners. You know, he's got the return, but there's got to be concerns when he's not starting again. Um, and I think that there are real questions about the selections. I think they seem to have lost something with Townsend going back to left centre-back um, in terms of that left wing-back spot. And then obviously Robinson not starting again is obviously a big loss for them. Um Albeit he's able to come off the bench, but I think, you know, you can say he has an impact after because those players have, have had to play for a significant chunk of the game already. But I think there's just as much argument that, you know, it shows what they were missing for the first part of the game. So I think it, it's a tough one there, but obviously they did they did end up winning uh, two goals for Carl and Grant, two assists for Callum Robinson. Um, and in terms of what people should do with their assets, um, I think that there is a question on that. So we'll we'll talk about that a little bit more. But in short, my answer is I don't know. <laughs> um, but before we sort of talk about that more, because I'm pretty sure it is in at least one of the questions, uh, Dan, if you want to talk to us about QPR. Yeah, so there's a couple of interesting uh, lineups. Selections. Uh, Jimmy Dunn came in at centre back. Um, McCallum was out, so they moved Barbe to left wing back. 
Uh, Dunn's a very tall centre-back, so I'm guessing that was to help combat the massive long throw from Furlong. Um, and they started well QPR. Um, Gray got in behind from a ball by Odebaggio and he tucked it away quite calmly for Andre Gray. Um, and then I thought West Brom was struggling, to be honest, until Diang basically threw it in the net. Um, and they didn't really offer that much after that QPR. So, yeah, I don't know with QPR. As I said, I've not been overly impressed. Um, so, yeah, I'm, I don't think you can pick a striker now. They seem to be rotating between two up front, one up front. Will Austin come back in? Will Dykes come back in? Um, but yeah, I think they're a void at the minute. I think Willock and Willock's not a bad option because you can at least bench him, I think. He seems to be playing. Um, but going on to West Brom, I, I feel I got rid of Grant and kept Robinson. And I just don't understand why Robinson isn't starting. Mm. Like They keep playing Diagana. And he basically comes off before the 60th minute every game. He does nothing. Yeah. Like, I just don't understand why Robinson's not starting. Um, so now I'm in the tricky situation about I've probably got to keep him again. Surely he's got to pick Robinson after coming on and getting to assist. But yeah. The problem is if they start, they're so good at it. But when you've got a... a and basically everyone returned, like Powell and Branchage, and you've got a couple of the Bournemouth midfielders, Christie and Billing stepping up, and even Wallace and Wift. Like, I can't, can't really afford Robinson not to play when they're getting constant returns week in, week out. So, yeah, yeah it's, it's a, I could get rid, but... And I've probably got to keep him another week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think he's tough. Um, Grant, particularly getting the two goals. If you've if you've stuck with him, you're probably in a decent spot now. Robinson is tough. I, you know, I've been looking at Matt Phillips and what to do with him. I think he's he's a very tough one as well. Um, but I think it, it sort of really depends how much you're willing, how much more you're willing to sort of take with them, and how long you're willing to go with it at this point, really. Yeah. Uh, but move on to sort of the questions we've got on Twitter, um, and I'll I'll move it actually into first uh, Perry Allen's question, our Fulham correspondent. He's asked, um, he's looking to come off the West Brom defensive double up. Which one would you sell out of Townsend and Furlong? Also, who would you replace them with? He said non-Fulham or Bournemouth. Um, so, Dan, do you want to take this one first? Yeah, sure. Um, I think I think you've got to get rid of Townsend at the minute. Uh, he's basically playing centre-back um, and it's affecting all his returns. I, I don't know how Furlong don't have, doesn't have more yeah. points this season. Like the amount of assists or or goals he could have scored, um, 
so yeah, I'd get rid of Townsend and players to bring in. Um, this is quite hard if you're not picking Bournemouth or, or Fulham. Um, I'm not against like Malone. It's quite sensible. Um, I don't think the Birmingham like uh, Colin is terrible. We mentioned Forrest. Do you gamble on Spence or Lowe? Yeah. Like, is it, it's been quite template at the minute, so maybe someone like that can change it for you. But, yeah, there's loads of options, as you'd expect. Even someone like Laird from Swansea. Yeah. He's, he's got good attacking numbers as well. So, yeah, there's definitely options. I don't know yeah. what you think, Angus. Yeah, so I think, I mean, I think you shouldn't be fooled by by sort of Furlong's lack of points. That's almost just a freakish anomaly at this point. I'm not sure how it's how it's not happened. Um, but particularly when you've got a wing back versus, you know, a guy playing right wing back versus a guy playing left centre back, um, unless they're about to push Townsend forward again, just that positional difference makes Furlong a, a better proposition. Um you know, I, I do like, you know, obviously the guys like Malone are sort of the obvious ones. Um, I like Laird as sort of an outside option. The Forest guys, um, Colan, and the other one that I would mention again, particularly if you want to save some of your budget, is Pickering at Blackburn. Yeah. Um, they've done better defensively and they've got that really nice sort of little run of fixtures. So that could be a way to go. But I think, yeah, there's there's so many different ways you can go with it. Aside from someone like Malone or Laird, I guess, which is similar, most of which are down. So that's the other benefit with moving one of them on. Um, but in terms of what I, uh, I'm seeing here, the next one I've got is Rob Pick's question, uh, which he's asked the best budget, and he's clarified that as under five million defender to bring in for the next five to six weeks. He said he's considering Coyle at Hull. Yeah, I would not be picking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we're terrible. Although their fixtures aren't, aren't bad, they got black. Yeah. I just build and pee. Um, I think I think Pickering's an option. Um, I'm not totally against like a Bree from Luton. They've got Coventry, Huddersfield, Millwall, Derby. Um, I don't know if you've got anyone, Angus. Not really. I mean, you know, I feel like I'm just going to be a broken record at this point recommending Pickering, yeah. but it's tough at that value. Uh, Hull, it would be purely a bet on the fixtures. And that's, yes. I can understand it, but, you know, I don't love it, but I can understand it. The other one, maybe, uh, there's a couple of sort of, worse fixtures in there but maybe one of the guys from Preston they've obviously been quite solid at the back we sort of overlook them every time but they're not conceding many um you know they do play Stoke and QPR but they have the likes of Derby um Blackpool and Blackpool in their next six you know Luton and Coventry so it's possible that someone in that could be 
be decent for you um if you if you were really looking for something different i'd probably rather go for a, a preston defender than a whole defender but um uh i think you know there are a number there but obviously you know as i'm going to keep saying <laughs> the number one i would recommend is uh is pickering um we'll go on to fpl buddy's question uh he asked with robinson seemingly losing his starting place can we go for Christie in his place, or do we add Christie along with him? Um, so, Dan, I, you've obviously got the issue with Callum Robinson. Uh, so what do you think of the question here? Would you be replacing him with Christie? Can Christie go alongside him? I think Christie is a, an interesting option. Um, he obviously got two assists from against Lou and then... Um, it seems like he's either playing at in at the ten or most recently from the right. He's even taken Brooks's spot. Um, I think he's definitely an option, Christy. Um, fixtures aren't terrible either. Um, so yeah, definitely an option. Uh, but there's always rotation. Um, and someone like Brooks, you're in a three-game week, could easily play one of those games. Uh, yeah, like Christie, to have them both, um, yeah, it's not terrible. But what are you doing with uh, Harry Wilson? Yeah, that's the that's the thing like I was going to say. Is Harry Wilson over anyone? Yeah, it really depends. I think, you know, if you if you can work it out where you can have something like where without sacrificing sacrificing your front three, if you can have Christie in addition to Robinson and Wilson, then obviously you're in a great position. Um, but I I wouldn't go with both of them if it means you don't have Harry Wilson, I think is the big thing I would say there. Um, but I do really like Ryan Christie as an option. Um, and I think, you know, people could do a lot worse than looking at him. Uh, while we're talking about this, I'll bring up uh, FPL Commander's question as well. He said, Brooks, surely he's going to play and I should just hold on to him. Some players look, sp look spent in the Luton game after Scotty Parker played the same side as the previous game. So obviously you've said about Brooks potentially coming in at some point. I think that's possible. I also wouldn't be holding Brooks for that eventuality because if he comes in, it seems increasingly like it's going to be a one one off game to sort of rest one of those guys, whether it's Christie or Billing. And then probably drop back out unless he performs amazingly in that game. So I have to say, I, I personally would be looking at moving him on at this point. Um, whether that's to to Christie or Billing or someone else elsewhere, to be honest. Um, I don't know what, if you agree there, Dan. I just don't think Brooks has done enough to get in that Bournemouth side. I think mm. basically even last season he wasn't consistent enough. And I don't think he gets in Bournemouth's best 11 at the minute. So yeah. it, is there a chance he plays the next game? Of course it is. It's Peterborough. Uh, they they played on Saturday. They know they're going to play it uh, at the weekend as well. So, of course, he can play. But like he said, is he going to suddenly come and play the next couple of games? I'm, I'm not sure, and I don't 
don't think he deserves to either. Yeah. Um, so something that we've addressed a little bit more sort of generally, um, but we'll sort of tie a bow on at this point um, with two different questions. So they kind of go together or they could go together. So I'll bring them both up. So we've got um, a question from at Rickards BCFC, who said, who's just asked best midfield assets and FPL frustration. Who's asked, is it time to consider Sheffield United assets? And if so, who do they represent value, good value, given their higher, higher prices? So obviously with the midfield assets, we've talked about Wilson. We've talked about Robinson talked about um Christie potentially billing uh John Swift obviously um but I think I'd probably still throw in there someone like Morgan Gibbs White as well which is sort of why I tied them together um he obviously blanked at the weekend but he has has returned in the sort of at least the last couple before that um, obviously he's at a higher price, so you are sort of deciding between these guys. But I do think he's another one um, that probably belongs in in the category when you're looking at sort of looking at midfielders, looking at these midfielders in terms of who you should be looking at. Um, don't know what your thoughts are, Dan, on both of those questions in terms of whether there's anyone you'd add in terms of the best midfield assets and what your thoughts are on the Sheffield United guys. Yeah, I think... Uh, for- for midfield assets, I think there's a lot of talismans for teams. Um, mm. Wilson, Fulham, uh, Powell for Powell, yeah. for Stoke, Swift at Reading, um, and obviously Wallace from there. Yeah. Um, I, th- I think you could honestly just pick them. Yeah. Um, and do you know what? I, I keep going backwards and forwards with Sheffield United. I think Gibbs White is a good option. Would I pick him over Powell? Don't know. Would I pick him over Wilson? No. Would I pick him over Swift? Probably not. Would I pick him over Wallace? Probably not. Um, and I think you've got to remember, they've just come out of a really nice set of fixtures. Yeah. And now they're, they're then... The next four is Middlesbrough away, Bournemouth away, Stoke at home, Millwall at home. Now, are they going to score two plus goals against a lot of those teams? I can't see it. So I think maybe you've missed the boat on Sheffield United. But I agree, Angus. The only Sheffield United player I'd be thinking about is Gibbs White. Yeah, I mean, I think particularly, so. you know, if you if if you haven't been on the same boat as me and others on Norrington Davies, there's no point going there now. And unless you're willing to splash out on someone like a Baldock or an Egan, then you're not going to get, you're not going to get good enough value in the defenders to go there either. Um, So we've got a couple more questions there. And then I know we've got a couple of questions on the follow-up tweets that Jamie did. Um, So I asked James Woods question who said, the template seems to be set pretty firmly in place. Which under the radar teams have fixture runs we could jump we can jump on to climb the ranks and who are the best picks from them? Oh, and will Carvalho ever play again? Um so Carvalho it's to be determined. Um as I said, if he doesn't play this coming week, 
I'm on conspiracy watch. I'm I'm fully in on the they're not playing him because the contract's not signed watch. Um, but Silver did sound like positive that he was going to play this week. Um, in terms of the the teams under the radar with fixture runs um, that you can jump on and best picks from them, um, I don't know what what you were thinking on that, Dan. I think um, I think I'd look at Luton, um, Coventry, Huddersfield, Millwall, Derby. Um, I think maybe a defender. Um, Barry's been doing quite well. Three goals yeah. and assists in about four games. I think he's like four point six or four point seven. So if you're getting rid of Carvalho, he's not a terrible option. Um, I think I think Huddersfield have a decent yeah. set of fixtures. Um, Toffolo, maybe if you get yeah. rid of Flint, can you go up to Toffolo or Cardiff? He's in, he's an attacking player, um, and and we've mentioned Blackburn. Yeah, um, I got rid of Brereton Diaz. Do you risk someone like a Dolan or or a Pickering? Or, or Forest. Yeah. Yeah. It is a shame because I, I felt maybe like three weeks ago that there wasn't a template. Yeah. Um, and But there definitely is now. It's basically three from four strikers, Solanke, Mitrovic, Victor or, or Brereton Diaz. A lot of people have Swift, uh, Wilson, uh, so yeah, it's a shame, really. Um, but if you want to climb the ranking, you got to make these decisions, and that's part yeah. of fantasy. So maybe it is jumping on Huddersfield's option or a Luton option, or 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 uh, maybe doubling up with Blackburn, having a Dolan and Brereton, uh, yeah, something like that. So yeah, that, yeah. that's what fantasy is about. Yeah, it's all about those sort of calculated risks. Um, I will mention um, Rob Pick's shout of Hull. If, if you really want to be different, Hull do have an incredible fixture run. Um, so if you're really willing to pick a Hull player, they do have a great run. I wouldn't go there, but if you're looking for the true definition of under-the-radar teams that no one else will have players from, it is Hull. Um, Huddersfield, particularly, as we were saying, if if people are looking, for example, maybe to come off the West Brom double defence, Toffolo, that's another way to go from there, from one of Furlong or Townsend to Toffolo. Um, Luton, like you say, Middlesbrough, Sheffield United isn't the easiest game, but then they go into Hull, Peterborough, Barnsley. I, I can't, I can't go near. No, 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 no. Like Middlesbrough, I would not advise. But if you're looking for a fixture run yeah. where where like, that looks good, those three fixtures are like yeah, great. If if you can put yourself through having a Middlesbrough player in your team who is almost definitely going to disappoint you, then go for it. <laughs> um, what about QPR? Angus. Yeah, um, I mean, I, I felt like sort of QPR maybe aren't a bit under the 
maybe aren't under the radar, but I'm also sort of like, if you don't have Willock or someone like Dicky, I'm not sure who you're going with. Like, maybe Chair? And also, we mentioned the striker problem. Now they've signed Gray. It's turning a bit of a nightmare, really. Yeah, Gray starts. Both Dykes and Austin are on the bench. And, you know, next yeah. game, one of the others, one or two of the others will start. So I think their run does look good. But I, I just think, particularly if you're looking at the forwards, there's just too much uncertainty there. Um you know, if you if you really wanted to sort of break up the the forward line template, I mean, we've mentioned Adebayo, like he might frustrate you, but that's possibly a way to go to sort of get away from that and be a bit different. Um, or, you know, I mean, there's you're not really going to go to one of the QPR forwards. You're not going to go to someone like Billy Sharp. Uh, <laughs> So I think, like you know, someone like Adebayo is probably the only way you're going to go to break up that sort of. Possibly, I mean, they do play Hull next, but I mean Blackburn, they they've sort of been improving defensively. Yeah. Forest potentially improving defensively. Reading, I mean, God knows what Reading's sort of team is going to look like at that point. They'll probably have got two guys back and another four guys injured. So <laughs> it like that would be the sort of you know if you really wanted to take a punt, then yeah, uh, you could go somewhere like Lavery. But I think it's difficult to break up the 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 template. But I think yeah, going on more than one Blackburn, Luton, maybe Forest. They're probably your best your best options to actually break up the template. Yeah, uh, uh, it's like a drastic move. Maybe just playing like your fourth midfielder or yeah. your fourth defender. As maybe if you change like one of your defenders in your midfielder and you get in, I don't know, say Pickering and Berry or or something like that, or yeah. um, maybe Toffolo. Yeah, something like that. It's not like crazy decisions, but you need to. For example, I'm like 300 in the world. I've got to try and do something different. Yeah. But without doing something stupid. Yeah, because it can quickly turn into like 600. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we've got one more question on this set of questions, which is uh, Darren uh, at Auto Reclose's question, which was he said he's going for away days in game week 11. Which three forwards would you pick if money was no issue? Uh, so, Dan, I'll let you take this question first. So, away days, yeah? Yeah, away days yeah. in 11. Brevet and Diaz. Um, well, Mitrovic. And... God, that's all. Piero from Swansea. Yeah, so, so that was going to be the front three I was going to give. <laughs> Brereton, Diaz, Mitrovic and Piero. I mean, obviously, I'm you not... could go somewhere like Carl and Grant. They are away as well against Stoke. Also, Bristol, Bristol City are away to Peterborough, so yeah. maybe like Vyman. Or Wales. They are better away. Yeah, or, uh, I think Vyman, just for oh. guarantee a start, I think. Yeah, Vyman or even Martin, to be honest. Like, Martin seems to be... Because they, 
the other two can't do what he does. So, um, yeah. and and he's you know he's been doing well. He's he's got a, a cup a few goals as well. So he wouldn't be the worst shout. Um, but yeah, I mean, like I say, you could go somewhere like Carlin Grant as well. Um, but for I, me, for I, me personally, I'd do Brera and Diaz and Mitrovic, and it'd be between Vime and Orcaro. I think. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's probably uh, the same for me. The thing that jumped out to me was you're going to have if you're if you're on away days eleven, you've surely got Brereton Diaz and Mitrovic, or if you haven't, you will have those two that week, um, and yeah. then maybe you can take a bit of a punt with your third striker. Um, so someone like Apiro um, could be it could be worthwhile, or you know, one of the Bristol City guys. Um, I would say one of the Middlesbrough guys against Hull, but don't do that. Uh, <laughs> uh, so i just find the couple of other questions we had. Um, so I'll struggle with the person's handle. It's basically just um, who's asked two questions. The first one is what to do with Jed Wallace. So I think, as we've said, the big question there is, We'll, we'll be looking out for news on his illness, but unless it's unless it's COVID, um, you know, he might be back next game. So I wouldn't be getting rid at this point because, you know, as soon as he comes in, I think Mill will have a decent, decent fixture run. I mean, obviously, then Bristol City at home, Barnsley away, Luton at home, Sheffield United away. It's not the worst. And as as we've said numerous times with Jed Wallace, you know that if he's in the team and Mill will score, score a goal, he's likely to be involved. Um, so I wouldn't be getting rid. Um, but he also asks, good replacements for Flint to park the bus in game week 14, or should I keep? So, Dan, I'll ask you, I know that you're sort of talking now about it may well be time for Flint to go. Um, but just looking ahead, particularly to be able to park the bus in 14, um, who do you think could be a flint replacement? Um, see, that's if you're just looking at 14, then Smith from Stokes not terrible, but his mm. fixtures leaving up leading up to it put me off a bit. Um, maybe I'm not against like. Um, Coventry defender, they've got yeah. Derby. Um, we said Derby are struggling to attack. Um, not against the Luton defender, against Hull. Uh, yeah, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, I mean, maybe if you don't have them, someone like Zamora with Bournemouth playing Huddersfield yeah. that week. Or um, particularly when it gets to that point, if you have a clearer idea, maybe one of the Preston guys, someone like a Vandenberg, um, with them playing Blackpool in 14. Um, but yeah, I think there's there's some sort of clearer sort of ideas there, particularly something like Coventry, someone like a Zamora, so, uh, you know, a Luton defender. 
that you know maybe someone like an odd Bajo from QPR as well. They're playing Peterborough. Obviously, Peterborough can do well going forward, but um, it can also go wrong for them. As we've said, if it starts going wrong for them, they, it tends to they tend to just sort of fold. So um, that's possibly one. But I think there's a few options there for you. You just have to bear in mind how much you're factoring in their fixtures before that as well. Um, so we've got one final question here. Uh, which is from Chris Hermitage, our QPR correspondent. He's asked for our optimal front three going forward. He says, Mitra and Solanke are in a lot of teams as premium assets, but Jokerez and Diaz are doing so well. Um, so I think, Dan, what, you know, let's say four to six weeks, what would be your optimal front three going forward? Uh, Mitrovic and Solanke, just because they're just good captains, options they're just reliable and for me it is a flip of a coin between Diaz and uh, Victor Gokarez and I got rid of Diaz to Victor this week mainly because when I was before the game we just gone when I was looking at all the data Gokarez was just ahead of him on every single yeah. thing like shots and goals and big chances and things like that whether that I, can't, I haven't checked if it's the same now after the <laughs> yeah. last round of fixtures but and also it's what you can do with that extra money yeah well um i i think it's gokarez uh, at the minute um so that's my front three and i'm happy to keep that for a while till the yeah, so obviously this week I talked about selling Brereton Diaz. I had left enough in the bank after doing away days where I could have brought Solanke in for Jokeres uh, or Brereton Diaz, and I sold Brereton Diaz. So particularly when you're talking about the additional value and what it enables you to do, um, I I would say for me the op- my optimal front three is Mitrovic, Solanke, and Jokeres, but I'm I'm certainly not going to tell anyone that Brereton Diaz is a bad pick particularly with their fixtures coming up so like you say I think it really is just a a toss up there between which one you want to you want to have in your team Um, but I think those are the two really Um, particularly if we're talking optimal front lines I don't think there's a need to sort of get clever and go with something else Um, you know it's quite straightforward there so uh so yeah so i think that would that would be it really that would be sort of mitrovic solanke and whatever your preference is between jokerez and and brereton diaz um you know brereton diaz possibly edges it particularly on the fixtures but jokerez with the value and what else that enables you to do um you know is a is a big factor there for me um but that's all the questions so we've rounded up the games. Uh, we've done all the questions. Um, hopefully, uh, Jamie will be back with the extra time pod on Thursday. Um, this should be released. We're recording Sunday night. This should be released sometime on Monday. Um, I believe the plan is now that we will actually move our recording day from Sundays to Mondays. Um, so 
that might affect the day you get the podcast, but we will still be doing the, this main pod, uh, the main roundup pod once a week. Um, so thanks again for sticking with us. Um, obviously, it's a quick turnaround to um, the next game week, which is obviously this midweek. So bear that in mind. Uh, the next midweek start game week starts on, I think it's Tuesday. Is it Tuesday, Dan? Yeah, it's um, Tuesday and the deadline is quarter past six. Right, there you go. So quarter past six Tuesday. Um, so make sure you're aware of that. Um, might give Jamie a hurry up in getting this released in that case. Um, but um, yeah, so th- thanks for being with me, Dan. And uh, we'll speak to all of you next week.